Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 48 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we're going to read the prologue and chapter one of Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to contact me, you can head over to jeffreadshisbook.com, and right there, there's three ways to get in touch with me. And you can also use some links that are right there, and you can uh, go ahead and buy the prequels to this awful book we're reading today. That's right, folks. We're back, and we are reading a brand new book. Uh, Today, we are going to start in on a book I wrote in 2017. So this was, again, part of National Novel Writing Month. Uh, I wrote a book called Homecoming, and it's a sequel to Bringing Balance. Uh, So this book, again is going to feature Margot and Henry. It's another adventure they go on. Uh, Not surprising. I'm trying to keep that, uh, what, the Sandhill Mages series alive, I guess. This book, I will admit, I went into with, like, very little planning because uh, this was the first year Glenn, my man Glenn, had heard about National Novel Writing Month. So I said... Uh, if he would do it, I would do it as well. So I didn't actually have any ideas. I just wrote a freaking book. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to show when we get into this. Yeah. I'm very excited though. So I know last episode I had a little update and I said I was going to hurry up and edit Homecoming. Get this book all put together. Get it published. Get it on Amazon's website. Yada, yada, yada. So all you fine people could buy it. And uh, I didn't do any of that, did I? <laughs> So I think Thursday might have been the first day I actually looked at this book. <laughs> We're recording on Sunday. Uh, so I'm like, I don't know, like on chapter five or six with the editing. And so far, all I've really done is maybe corrected some awkward sentences and some spelling errors. Usually with the spelling, I do just use a spell checker. But, uh, you know, I, I do it by hand first, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess I do. But uh, I really didn't uh, look at this very deeply. So it's going to be a little while till we can buy Homecoming, but it's coming. We're going to get it out. We're going to get it out. Uh, I just have to freaking like suck it up and read the damn thing, you know? But it, it's, uh, it's going to be hard. Anyway, okay. So a little bit about this book. So we don't have a cover to look at or a blurb on the back. So let's talk about it a little bit. So I was shocked when I looked at the directory where I had the files for it. Okay, 31 chapters, like 31 separate files, because I save each chapter separately. I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of chapters, don't you think? Because I think we topped out at like 24 so far, maybe something like that. 23, 24 in Bringing Balance with an epilogue. This one had 31 files. I'm like, okay, so I was getting ready to do this podcast, and uh, I opened up the text file, and... uh, I wanted to see if there was an epilogue, so I went to the end of it, and then I paged up. Okay, not 31 chapters, apparently. (laughs) So this book has a whopping 46 chapters, plus prologue, plus epilogue. So we're going to have some real, like, quick-fire chapters. This is going to take forever to read. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, we're going to go into 2021, I think, on this. 
Eh, maybe. I don't know how many weeks are left in the year. We're in February, so we're four in. So it's going to be close, people. It is going to be close. 46 freaking chapters. <laughs> I don't know anything about them, why they're arranged that way. Some of these episodes might be like outrageously short. So we're just going to have to see. And again, I have not edited this whole book. Uh, I'm only on like chapter six. I read, so I, I was reading it. I'm like, you know what? I really was enjoying chapters like one, two, and maybe three. I was like, these are good. These are good chapters. Maybe just one and two now that I think about it. Yeah. So that should tell you something about the book because I'm editing chapter six and I've only liked one and two. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that that's par for the course. It's not great. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm already a little, you know, douche chilled out by this freaking thing. <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and read it anyway. So I thought for today we would read the prologue and chapter one. So the prologue in this book is like, uh, it's like a letter, it looks like. So, well, we'll describe it when I read a little more. And then chapter one, um, the prologue is lame. And I think we're all going to get some laughs out of some uh, names that I choose to use. <laughs> but uh, after that, we're going to get into chapter one. And that's where we're going to introduce Margo and Henry again. And we're going to see what this adventure is really all about. So I hope everybody's as excited as I am to dive in to the prologue and chapter one. So for today's episode, I am going to be sipping on a nice glass of Jim Beam on the rocks. Yes, I'm going to taste a little bit of this right now. Mm. So I'm coming off like a sinus infection this week. And I've been really staying away from the whiskey lately, but I'm trying to get back into it now, huh? That's always a healthy thing to do, right? I'm feeling much better. Uh, I think I've made my wife sick. The lovely Lara is not enjoying my uh, illness after effects because they seem to have gotten her sick. <laughs> but uh, what are you going to do? That happens when you live with someone, I guess. But uh, today I'm kind of recording uh, in the basement studio again. I'm going to try this entirely on the couch. So I have to read the book off of, you know, the computer because it doesn't exist otherwise, right? And so I'm kind of doing this, uh, what do I want to say? So I clip the microphone onto the monitor and I'm sitting on the couch all comfy. It's The computer's not plugged into the wall, so this is probably going to go poorly because this computer sucks ass. Want a tip for buying computers? Don't get an Acer because <laughs> they stink. Although I will give them some credit, because even after I spent the last five minutes slamming my fist into the keyboard, the keyboard still works. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> so I guess we should go ahead and start reading. All right. I'm going to start with the prologue. Uh, I do want to point out this is supposed to be like laid out like a letter, like a formal letter. And it reads really stupidly. So why don't we just dive into the prologue? I am not looking forward to this at all. <clears throat> From the grand houses of the northern lands, including the houses of Amarath, Coil, Emile, Lafleur, Omlagabe, and Zinth, to his royal highness, King Stephen. The northern lords do hereby recognize the king in Oliath as the supreme ruler of the known lands, 
We rescind all statements contradicting this recognition and submit to the authority of the throne. All people subject to the rule and laws of the northern lords have been informed and instructed to also recognize the authority of the throne. Wow, that's exciting. That's how you start a book and hook people, baby. We humbly request the immediate negotiation of terms with the throne. We, uh, the northern lords, will convene with any representative of the king, and we humbly request said meeting as soon as time permits. We hold no predetermined conditions to such negotiations. We request rapid response prior to any negotiations such that all parties may be notified. With all respect to his highness, Lady Cecilia... Oh, here's the signatures. Here we go. Here we go. Get ready for these names, people. Lady Cecilia Amarath. That's not bad. Lord Patrick Coyle, who's clearly Irish. Lord Taz Emil. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Lord Louis Lafleur. <gasps> that's Margot's last name. Lady Dahlia Amwagabe. And Lord Heinrich Zinth. Seals attached. What do you think of those names? Those are pretty good. Okay, that's the end of the prologue, so I'm going to have a sip. Mm, that is tasty. So, do you think when I make the paper book, where it says seals attached, should I hand draw all the seals of these um, like royal houses? I think that could come out well. <laughs> uh, just for your uh, information, I can't draw, so that, that won't go well, actually. I was just lying. I don't know. That, I mean, that prologue, I don't know that I'd keep reading this book, but uh, well, let's see what happens, huh? All right. Chapter one. Let's have another sip because I think we're going to need it. Ooh. Actually, you know what? Chapter one's kind of a delightful chapter. I liked it. All right. Mm. There's some bad parts, though, now that I think about it. Let's dive in. Margot sat alone on the old stone wall, running along the dirt road in front of her house. The sun still shined brightly in the late afternoon. Is that shone or shined? What's the past tense of that for the sun? I don't know. I think shined. I think you would say was shining brightly. And you'd get the extra word. That would have been the way to go. What the fuck? All right. This isn't a full edit, so we're going to run into some real garbage here. All right. The sun still shined brightly in the late afternoon, and she relished its warmth. As summer was slowly waning, these days would be rarer still. Reaching into a bowl, she absently drew through bread chunks, bread chunks, huh, to six large geese that stared at her expectantly from the road's berm. All right, berm is B-I-R-M. Is that how you spell a berm of a road? Who knows what that is, because I'm not real sure. <laughs> Looking eastward along the road and adjoining plains and farmlands, it's a lot of ands, she hoped to see a man approach on foot. Henry was due back shortly. Looking down at the geese, as she threw another bread chunk. <laughs> I don't think bread chunk is the right word here. I feel like that's real. Ugh, ugh. Okay. Looking down at the geese as she threw another bread chunk, she noticed that one was unfamiliar. And who are you, handsome? She asked the newcomer. 
As if understanding her, five geese turned towards a now-excited bird in their center. The goose flapped his wings and honked at Margot. Did you all bring him to see me? She asked the gaggle. Gaggle of geese. Is that right? I think gaggle of geese is right. Uh, The birds all turned back to her and honked excitedly. Well, let's not invite too many. I only have so much bread. Heads bobbed as if agreeing with her. The geese were a relatively new phenomenon at her house. Phenomenon, sitting on the wall a few weeks prior, she or they had stopped to study Margot, who at the time, oh my god, I gotta restart this. Sitting on the wall a few weeks prior, they had stopped to study Margot, who at the time sat on the wall eating a lunch. She could no longer remember what she had said to them, but she did remember giving them at least half the bread of her sandwich. So what? She just, like, grabbed the cold cuts and ate them herself? What kind of sandwich would Margot eat? I don't know. Sounds like a discussion question. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just picture her, like, uh, grabbing ham from half her sandwich and just eating it plain with, like, cheese and uh, what condiments would... Ah, I want to say mayonnaise, but I'm just really into mayonnaise, so that's not fair. What do you think? What's a good condiment for the world of magic, like Eye of Newt puree or something? I don't know. They seem to eat normal things, because I'm not very uh, imaginative. That's what I want to say. All right. Uh, Um, The next day, while leaving with Henry to walk to Sand Hill... Oh, that was from Bringing Balance. So exciting. The geese were waiting at the stone wall again. She insisted Henry wait while she ran into the house, returning with more bread. Since that day, they would sit patiently at the wall waiting for her, and they would inexplicably and attentively listen to her while she fed them whatever she could find in the house. After giving them cake on a Tuesday, a fifth arrived the following day. The sixth goose may have been told about pumpernickel bread from yesterday, she guessed. Ugh, I don't like pumpernickel. Ugh. Where is Henry, she mumbled. The geese all turned to face eastward, and she smiled at them. He had left in the morning for a quick job, something about groundhogs, and she missed him this afternoon. Ooh, I hate groundhogs. Probably the weather, she thought to herself, wanting to walk with him through the garden out back and steal away to their bedroom as the sun set. Gross! (laughs) Life had been quieter since the king had been crowned. Do you guys hear me hitting the keyboard? I feel like maybe. You might also hear me, like, rustling around on the couch. I don't know. Uh, Life had been quieter since the king had been crowned. And Margot was surprised to find herself content with the situation after all these months. There were fewer requests for mages of their skills, Henry being a warrior mage that's misspelled, and herself being an illusionist. But the pair subsisted on smaller jobs in the countryside around Sandhill, where both were known and liked. For obvious reasons, Henry was called upon for work usually small crimes or pest control, far more than Margot, but she didn't begrudge him or those who asked assistance. She would usually accompany him on his minor, quote, quests 
although today she had decided to stay home on account of her new feathered friends. But she shifted her legs as she daydreamed about what they might be up to this evening. Again, gross! (laughs) Hoofbeats to the west dissolved her daydreams relatively quickly. I feel like the relatively is there to pad the word count. Turning to look down the road, she saw a carriage approaching, rather quickly drawn by two strong, decorated horses. The bright red of the carriage, the dressed equines, and the uniformed driver atop the coach easily revealed that the coach was of royal purpose. She sighed and looked down at her geese, who had been looking at the coach, Watch out, little ones. I think it will be stopping here, she said. The geese backed towards Margot, facing westward and forming a semicircle around her. As she expected, the coach rapidly decelerated and stopped a few yards away from her. The driver on top called down to Margot. Have we arrived at the McCallum homestead? Margot raised her eyebrows in irritation and waved her hand, disappearing instantly. She had decided nothing good would come of this encounter, and it would almost certainly derail her plans for the evening. Her gross, gross plans for the evening. Or, well, all right, it's not gross. It's TMI, right? We don't get into that in this book. Yeah. Still sitting on the wall, unseen to to others, she watched with mild amusement as the driver's jaw dropped. The door, emblazoned with the royal crest on the coach, swung open, and another man, far too formally dressed for the sandhill outskirts, hopped down from the dark interior. Margot was pleased she had decided to become un- unavailable for these two. The man from inside the coach was holding a scroll, after all, and she couldn't see anything good coming of it. I think we covered this already. <sighs> Have we arrived, Henson? The man from inside the coach asked. The driver stared, unseeing, directly at Margot, his mouth still open. Henson, I asked you a question, the man on the ground insisted. I, I, he stammered. Out with it, the man ordered the driver. She, she was right there, on the wall, Henson managed. It's like these people don't know there was magic, because there was magic. (laughs) I mean... This book obviously takes place in the world of magic, so I don't know why anybody would be surprised by this. I'm a little annoyed right now. Ugh. Uh, blup, 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 blup. The man with the scroll turned away from his driver. Well, perhaps the McCallums are inside the home, do you think? He started walking towards towards gate <laughs> in Margot's stone wall, but the geese stepped forward hissing. The man with the scroll stopped, unfazed. Henson, a little help. The slingshot, perhaps? You'll leave my friends alone, thank you, Margot stated as she seemed to rematerialize on the wall. The scroll carrier's eyes betrayed him momentarily, but the fear was hidden rather quickly. The driver was more obviously shaken. Ah, Mrs. McCallum. No, I am Margot Lafleur, she interrupted. The man hesitated. Not Margot McCallum, he asked, unrolling the scroll an inch and confirming. 
I think I would remember circumstances where my name changed, she said coldly. She crossed her arms, already despising this situation. I have a royal summons from His Highness, King Stephen, for Henry McCallum and yourself, he decreed. Do you, Margot retorted coldly. Drinking break! Sorry for the sniffles during this episode. Mmm! <laughs> ah, I really haven't had any whiskey in a while. Oh, this is good. Okay. We're doing all right on time. I still got to make a bed before Lara gets back from... She is busy taking care of little kittens right now. Okay. Henry walked briskly down the road with the sun on his back, enjoying the last days of summer. He knew only... Okay, big typo. He knew, I, I, let me just point out, I edited this chapter. Henry walked briskly down the road with the sun on his back, enjoying the last days of summer. He knew only one, this one small hill stood between himself and home. Walking for miles had left him hungry for a substantial meal, and he quickened his pace to reach home just marginally quicker. Cresting the low hill, Henry could see his modest cottage on the left, surrounded only by farmland and grasses that provided he and Margot seclusion. The road shouldn't it be like Margot and himself? I don't know. The road along which they lived was a thoroughfare between towns, but nobody would refer to it as busy. Today, though, it appeared that a coach from somewhere distant had stopped in front of his home. He could make out a coach somewhere. Oh, boy. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got confused. I had to really, like, shrink the font because I want to make sure that, like, recording software is, as they say, recording. So I needed it, like, side by side. And this piece of shit laptop has an 11-inch screen and not a good one. So I got to, like, I don't know. You got to make do. I'm actually thinking of buying a laptop this week because this laptop fucking... Drives me up the goddamn wall. You know, I, so I bought it. It's a Windows 8 laptop. And, hey, here's a hot take. Windows 8, pretty fucking good. All right? Windows 10, not so much. It kind of sucks. I liked Windows 8, and this laptop ran Windows 8 like a champ. It was beautiful. But then Windows 10 came out. I had to upgrade it, obviously. And guess what? After, like, uh, a year, it wouldn't per- it wouldn't receive updates anymore. It's something to do with the graphics driver and the whole bunch of shithole asshole companies that surround computer hardware. I, you know, for somebody who likes computers, I really hate computers. They suck ass. All right, anyway, anyway. So I'm trying to, like, read this tiny text on this screen after, like, a big glass of whiskey. And it's getting hard, so... Give me a little break here. You know what I mean? He could make out a coach driver, a ridiculously dressed man standing beside the coach, and a woman with black hair sitting on the stone wall, surrounded by waterfowl. What now, he muttered. How should I, should I mutter that? What now? Within shouting distance, the man standing on the ground called out, Mr. McCallum! Henry nodded, but he didn't quicken his pace. He did not feel like having a confrontation this evening, and walking a bit slower could give him a few more precious seconds of peace. 
The peace ended eventually as he walked up to the gate in the stone wall. The birds at Margot's feet regarded him with indifference as he moved to stand next to her. So, Henry started. This man is looking for you and Mrs. McCallum, Margot said without taking her scornful eyes of the I think it's off. <laughs> off the ridiculously formally dressed man. Henry's mouth twisted and puckered at Margot's unhidden irritation. Puckered, like, ooh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what he was doing. Everybody in the live studio audience saw me do that. Ooh. All right. Mr. McCallum, I come with a summons to appear before his highness, King Stephen. I am to escort you and Mrs. Miss Lafleur, he ventured, to Eliath at once. Why? What does Stephen want? Henry asked, looking between the man and Margot. Margot shrugged. The man winced at the lack of title in Henry's question and unfurled the scroll. By royal decree, Henry and... Henry McCallum and Margot Lafleur are hereby summoned to appear before the king with utmost haste for matters of royal purpose. Summons effective on the twelfth day of the month of... All right, that's fine, Henry said as the man closed the scroll. See what I did there? I didn't, like, define, like, an actual month, like where winter would be or summer would be waning. So now you can use your imagination. Ooh. Or maybe they have different months in the world of magic. Who knows? I used to play, um, I used to play uh, the Zork games a lot. Uh, I don't know who played those, like the text adventures, but actually they had um, one graphical adventure. They actually had two graphical adventures that were really good. One that was eh, mediocre and didn't fit with the rest of Zork. But uh, they used to have, in Zork, they had different months in that world. Um, but I remember like March was Mars, but of course spelled with a Z to make it, you know, match Zork. Uh, I love Zork. I'm going to have to play Return to Zork again. That was a good fucking game. Yeah. I remember uh, I asked for it for Christmas. And at the time, we had a uh, 486 computer that my dad bought after he got laid off, I remember, from... He was at this company for ages. I don't think it's a mystery. He was at... I tell everybody this. He worked for Digital Equipment Corporation for ages and got laid off. And I think I was maybe entering high school... I don't remember. I don't know when that was, Dad. Dad, you listen. Tell me when that was. <laughs> but uh, we had, like, we had like a two eighty six DOS computer at home. It was not holding up well. <laughs> so um, we had to go by. So he had to return that for who knows why when he got laid off. It was, I what the hell? I mean, it was worthless at that point. It had been depreciated to nothing. Anyway. Um, at that point, that company probably wanted to melt it down for scrap, but, uh, they, that probably would have made more profit than like their freaking mainframes. Ugh. That computer, uh, I have, I don't have good things to say about them. All right. Anyway, anyway. All right. Let's, uh, continue. So my dad had to go buy a computer and I don't know how my parents pulled this off, but he went to a computer show and bought a 486. And this was at a time when like, if you wanted a cheap one, you'd go 386. He bought a 486 SX, so it didn't have the math coprocessor. 
and, you know, ran like Windows 3.1. It was pretty bitchin', but he paid like, I mean, it was well over $1,000. It was like $1,500 for this computer. How the hell did he do that without a job? He's like, well, we still need to get him a computer. That was exceptionally impressive. And then that computer, we needed, uh, one Christmas, I wanted to get returned to Zork. How I knew about that at the time, I'm not sure. Maybe from AOL, I convinced them they needed AOL, which back in the day was freaking bitching. I loved AOL. And uh, so I got returned to Zork and it came in a box with 13 floppy disks and I got it for Christmas. And I remember when I opened it, I was so excited and I was almost more excited because that meant my dad had to get me a, a, a sound card for the computer because it had like like uh, actual voices in the game. This was one of those. It came out like around the time Mist was big, so it actually had sound. And I remember my dad looking at my mom like I didn't get him a freaking sound card. <laughs> so I'm just adding to the expense. So we had to... I think, like, maybe Boxing Day, we went to Computer City, which was, I don't know. They did not last into the 2000s at all. But uh, I'm like, Dad, we just need a sound card. Let's see what we can buy. And he kind of was like, we do need to get this because I got you this freaking expensive game. And we found this. um, It was called the Disney Sound Source, and it plugged into the printer port. Yeah. And I remember, I'm like, Dad, this is supported by Return to Zork. We can just get this one. And it was like 20 bucks because nobody wanted it. I mean, it was a piece of garbage. And, uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that because it worked. It did work. And so we brought that home. And then I loaded up Return to Zork on our uh, 486 with, I mean, it had like maybe a 100 meg hard drive. So Return to Zork took up like 20 megabytes of it, which was enormous. And uh, it was on floppy disk because we didn't have a CD-ROM either. So I fed in 13 or 14 floppy disks to install Return to Zork. It was freaking insane, but totally worth it. And uh, that was a great game. I loved that. I remember there was one puzzle that I didn't get probably because I was like 13-year-old Jeff and had never seen a bra. But my dad had to explain to me to like pick a lock you had to take, so you found a brassiere and you took it. Do you like how I said that? Like I'm freaking 90. And you took it to like a crematorium and you threw it in the oven and you'd get the underwire would fall out of it. And then you could use the underwire to pick a lock. It was so funny. <laughs> but all right. All right. So yeah, that's Return to Zork and they're made up months. And honestly, I don't remember why we got into this. Yeah, who cares? All right. All right, uh, but, but, but where does anybody remember where we are? Anybody in the live studio audience? All right, we're just going to wing it here. All right. Uh, all right, that's fine, Henry said as the man closed the scroll. Henry shook his head in exasperation. Turning to Margot, he asked quietly, What do you want to do? You will come with us at once, the man stated loudly. Man with the scroll stated loudly. I am carrying a royal summons from King Stephen himself, and you can take that summons back to Stephen and smack him in the face with it. That is our reply, Margot retorted loudly. You will not address his highness and your king in such familiar terms, the man ordered. We are his subjects, and his royal decrees are to be obeyed. Margot stood, and her geese lowered their heads at the man. 
I'm about to subject you to Margot started. Whoa, all right, let's all calm down, Henry interrupted, grabbing one of Margot's hands and raising another to the scroll carrier. Okay, not to Margot, that's nice. <laughs> I don't think Henry could take Margot in a fight. That's my guess. And I think this book proves it, actually. All right. Uh, but, but, that's not foreshadowing about them fighting. It's more foreshadowing about Henry being an out-of-shape loser. All right. Uh, blip, 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 uh, whoa, let's calm down. He gently turned the woman toward him, and looking into her furious dark eyes... Uh, what? He gently turned the woman toward him, and looking into her furious dark eyes... <laughs> Okay, that's a bad edit. He caught his breath for a moment, seeing how beautiful she could be when she was enraged. Margot, he said calmly, we should just go with him. We can see what this is all about. She softened her gaze and looked longingly back at their house. Sighing, she replied, I suppose... We'll undoubtedly get to see Aaron, Henry offered, tilting his head. Oh, who remembers Aaron? I remember Aaron. Uh, Margot grinned at the suggestion. True, we would. Henry knew that suggestion would help. Turning back to the officious man, Henry said, We will go, but we'll need a few moments to ready ourselves. We must leave at once. Do hurry, he called, as Henry turned his back to him and walked hand-in-hand hand with Margot to the house. Aw. It will just be a moment, Henry called, waving without looking back. I feel like my nose is real stuffy and I sound all fucked up. An hour later, the two mages emerged from the house in fresh clothes, walking briskly towards the carriage. The door of the coach swung open, and the officious man jumped down, clearly furious. Shaking the scroll, he declared, I have a royal summons, and I will be forced to report your uncooperative behavior to superiors. You may be dealt with for insubordination under the orders of your king. Henry breezed past him and jumped up into the carriage. Margot stopped at the gate, where a single goose remained, staring at her. I need to go to Eliath, but I'll be back soon. Tell the others for me, she said sweetly to the goose. It honked quietly at her, stretched its wings, and started waddling down, waddling quickly down the road. Did they understand you? Henry asked with confusion as she walked towards the open carriage door. I'm not sure, she admitted. Margot took his hand, and he helped her inside what turned out to be a rather posh carriage, in Henry's opinion. Margot appeared to take no notice of the accoutrement. Do you like that? Accoutrement. As the officious man walked toward... I'm sorry. I did have to look at my phone there. The lovely Lara is coming home from taking care of cats. Blah, 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 blah. As the officious man walked towards the carriage, Henry pulled the door shut. As we are guests of the king, I will assume you'll be sitting with the driver. Thank you, he called out the window before closing the curtains as well. Henry thought he heard the driver laughing as the other man climbed atop the carriage. And that ends chapter one. Wow. So that was a very exciting 
prologue and first chapter. Am I right? Oh my goodness. What do you guys think of that letter? That was the best I could really do, I feel like, at being... I want to say like officious, you know, like with uh, the royal officious. I remember um, I used to play uh, computer games when I was a kid. And uh, what was that game? It was uh, Starflight 2, Trade Routes of the Cloud Nebula. Mm. And um, in the instruction manual, I remember like the first page of the instruction manual had this like uh, list of demand of surrender of all races by this evil space race or whatever the hell it was. And I loved that thing. It was so angry and threatening a letter. And uh, I remember so, uh, you know, being the idiot, uh, what do you want to say, 10-year-old that I was, (laughs) I had this like... uh, I thought I had a club. Like I built a tree house in my right next to my parents' driveway, which I really think they appreciated for years just looking at that. Long after I could even go in it. And like I I'd set up like areas in the woods and stuff where you could have like seats and stuff. I don't know why, but it was clubs and I remember I I wanted to uh, what do you want to say conquer my friend's club? And so I I wrote one of those kind of letters, like an officious one. Oh, it was so stupid. I remember showing it to him, and he was just laughed at me. He laughed, and oh, it was so bad. <laughs> but um, that was fun. I kind of liked the thought of the officious letter. I don't know how good that one was. I did like all those names, though. Pretty exciting. Come on, some of them. Uh, let's. I think it's an ethnically diverse bunch, don't you think? <laughs> Um, I was pretty proud of that. I must have written it down beforehand, like prepared for it. Mm. I'm still sipping on bourbon. Very nice. Um, and then we got right into the chapter, and that was exciting. I, it, it was so good to see some Henry and Margot again. You know what I mean? I, I'm very excited. I think one promising thing about this chapter, right? Stay with me here, is that they got into a carriage and they're going somewhere. <laughs> So that fact alone means we're going to be on an adventure. Not like the last book, right? Where it was just all effectively at their stupid temple there. And that's all that happened. Ugh. Not great. Not great. So it looks like we're going to have an adventure coming up here, huh? Very exciting. I actually really like the next chapter. Um, It's a good Margot chapter. And I think we all know my favorite character in this book. Most of the time, I guess. Most of the time. Sometimes she's a little bit of a dud. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's the usual, uh, it's the usual writing. Yeah. Lots of typos. Actually, when I went like paging back to see what I could use for discussion questions, I found, uh, warrior misspelled hearsay or hereby, hereby maybe. I think hereby. That would have been something that that royal announcey guy would have said. Yeah. I don't know. It's not too bad. Ugh, I really got to edit this a couple times through. Uh, I am way behind. Okay, so let's move on to some discussion questions. I know you've all been waiting for these, right? Uh, And remember, if you have any answers, head over to jeffreadsbook.com and uh, look at those ways to contact me because I do love hearing answers to these. So, question one. Margot mentioned that there was a new goose because the previous day she was feeding them pumpernickel bread. So the question is, 
What are your thoughts on pumpernickel? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know what? I'm going to make an even broader statement. I was about to say something. All right. The only good bread is white bread. Everything else I don't want. <laughs> that all stinks if it's just not plain white bread. That is the ultimate. So, oh, it's rye or I don't even know what pumpernickel is. Is that one of those? Is it brown? I think it's brown. Whatever. White bread is clearly superior to all of them. There's no question in my mind. Sometimes wheat bread can be eh, okay, but let's face it. Anybody who's got wheat bread for their sandwich wishes they had white. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And on a related note, like I like a nice white bun on my hamburger, but I want a fucking thin little bun. You know what I mean? I'm there for the burger. And when I go to those restaurants, they have big poofy ciabatta bread buns. Oh, I just cringe. I'm like, God damn it. Why? Ugh. Just that's why, I don't know. Sometimes if you get like a fresher, fresher McDonald's bun, eh, pretty freaking good. <laughs> okay. All right. Question two, Margo was feeding geese. What are your thoughts on geese? Now, I will say for our international listeners, um, we have a lot of something here called a Canadian goose. Uh, they are, I would, I was thinking about this. Um, a lot of people might say they're the biggest assholes of the bird world because they're, I don't know, they don't get out of the way and they're pissy and they hiss at you. They're kind of jerks, but I don't think that's right. Um, I don't think they're the biggest assholes. Mm. I think the biggest assholes are probably wild turkeys. I don't know if you've ever encountered wild turkeys up close or anything, but they're like geese. You know, they have that same, what do I want to say, like uh, disregard for every other creature on the planet Earth. But they're also very angry and aggressive. <laughs> so geese, you can walk by them. They'll just stare at you. Yeah, but... One bad thing about geese, or at least the Canadian variety, is there's so many of them. There's just so many of them. It's like the opposite of Canadians. You know what I mean? There's not that many Canadians. There's so many freaking Canadian geese, though. They're everywhere. Oh, and they they shit out these all over the freaking path at the park by my house. Oh, I hate them so much. Okay. Yeah. My wife, actually, the lovely Laura, actually likes when they cross the street. So she gets a kick out of watching them try to, like, lead babies across the street, which eh, can be adorable, but I don't know. I, it, good on her for not having road rage. That's what I say. <laughs> all right. All right. Third question. A lot more abstract than the other two. Aren't you happy we get to hear about Henry and Margot again? Oh, it's so exciting. I'm so excited for this book. Uh, I, I'm I feel like, uh, it, you know, we've been without them for far too long. And uh, this, I don't know if when I'm going to edit this podcast. Hopefully it's not too late, but uh, I want everybody to just get in the mood for some Henry and Margot. We're going to try to keep this right on that one-week schedule and pump these episodes out. But uh, I'm just thrilled to hear from them again. Uh, I hope this book is filled with petty fighting and uh, Margot's, what do I want to say, like cold, uh, what do I, bah, 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 like, I always pictured her as being a little bit uh, emotionless, except around like people she liked. So if you were to take her to see like a, a beautiful painting or a nice sunset, she would just kind of stare at it blankly, you know, like, uh-huh, yeah, I don't know. 
That's kind of how they... You know what I mean? It's that like... Uh, where I, Sometimes you see that with, like, uh, Eastern Europeans. Not a lot of smiles on those people. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how I see her being. I, I, she strikes me as a not easily impressed woman. That's what I hope we see some more of, her not being impressed by things. Uh, Henry, um, I happen to know for a fact he's going to get a little goofy in this book. But, you know, he'll be his usual self. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited to see that too. Uh, what else? What else do we look forward to with these two idiots, huh? Uh, well, hopefully not too much implied sex like we had in this chapter. Am I right? Oh, God. Here's a question. This isn't a discussion question. What, uh, what do you think took him so long to leave the house? Took him an hour to come back outside? I mean, it depends on how dirty your mind is. You could think, well, they went inside and had a quickie or something. Well, an hour's not that quick. But, um, I mean, it's not, yeah, you know what I mean. It's not that. I, we, I'm thinking, you know, a few minutes he has. <laughs> okay. But it could be that they were just packing. Although Margot doesn't have to pack. Henry would have to pack, though. So he got that going. He seems kind of a disorganized guy, you know. So maybe, well, no, he doesn't. He had like a neat. He had a very neat house, so maybe he'd be ready to go quickly, too. And then it's around dinner time. They might have eaten. If they're getting in a carriage for a long trip, maybe they would get food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they just made dinner. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I'm going to say they were had a quick snack, had a quickie. Henry grabbed four shirts, and off they went. You know what I mean? So... God, my phone's making some weird noises on here. It just vibrated, and it sounds like I'm being attacked by flies. <laughs> yeah, gross. So, yeah, those are our discussion questions for this week. Uh, I don't think I have anything more. I really do have to crack down and edit this book. Uh, I've been kind of putting it off. I was playing with some old computers lately, trying to take them out and futz around with them a little bit. At night, uh, nothing else has been going on though, so I don't really have an excuse. I've probably been doing a little work into the evenings too, or maybe just vegging out. I do get uh, a newspaper, so I do try to read through that each night. Oh, it's so freaking long! I get the New York Times now, and it is a long ass paper. I used to get the Plain Dealer here in Cleveland until they cut it back to like three days a week and four pages per issue. I can't deal with that. It's just, it was so garbagey, but trying to get through a New York Times issue once a day is a goddamn catastrophe, but we're working on it. So that kind of ruins some of my time trying to edit this uh, book. Like I'm making lame ass excuses. Like I didn't watch, you know, 90 day fiance the other night. You know what I mean? I, I do not have any good excuses. <laughs> Well, anyway, if you do want to write into the show and suggest some other fine programming on TLC, uh, you can reach me at jba at sdf.org or on Twitter at Fortran Jeff or on the Mastodon in the Fediverse at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. So... Everybody, we're coming back with uh, chapter two in this exceptionally long book because, woo, we got a lot to get through. So anyway, until next time, keep on reading. Mm-hmm.